The Ibn Battuta Mall in Dubai is in a lot of ways an average mall. It's the largest mall in Dubai, so it's a bit bigger and fancier than most malls. But it still has a lot of normal mall stuff in it. There's a Birkenstock store. There's a Foot Locker, a Gap, an H&M, Sephora. You know, mall stuff. But there is one thing about it that is distinctly unlike any mall you've ever been to. We're going to have to address the elephant in the room. Because sitting in the courtyards of this mall, between the normal stores, are some of the most incredible replicas of Islamic Golden Age inventions found anywhere in the world. These recreations of ancient robots. And one of those replicas, one that towers over you, is this massive elephant clock. And not just any elephant clock, but one based on a clock designed centuries ago by the Muslim inventor Ismail al-Jazari. The original was about five feet tall. The replica, yeah, it's about 25 feet tall. It's called the elephant clock, well, because it's an elephant, obviously, but the clock part is a little bit less apparent. It has no clock face, no numbers, no minute or hour hands, but it's still a clock. It just doesn't tell you the time. Instead, the elephant clock remembers time. It tracks the passing of time. But if you sit down next to it and you listen carefully, the elephant clock will tell you its secrets. I'm Dylan Thuris, and this is Atlas Obscura, a celebration of the world's strange, incredible, and wondrous places. Today, we are going to the Ibn Battuta Mall in Dubai, where this massive reproduction of an iconic invention towers amidst the hustle and bustle of shopping. And it invites us back to one of the most profoundly inventive and technologically innovative periods in human history, the Islamic Golden Age. More. After this. If you're looking for a place where the wide open skies and the towering mountains inspire you to find an untapped part of yourself, you might want to take a trip to Wyoming. It's a place where bold, curious spirits forge their own way on all types of adventures. There is no shortage of iconic, expansive landscapes out there. You can discover breathtaking hikes, stunning state parks, authentic Western culture, and other historic sites, along with the tales of famous outlaws like Butch Cassidy and pioneers like Buffalo Bill Cody. The truth lies West. Discover yours at TravelWyoming.com. I'm Roman Mars, host of 99% Invisible. I love the book, The Power Broker, the epic biography of former New York City planner Robert Moses. So I'm breaking it down 100 pages at a time and talking to special guests about why this book matters, like Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. I actually think if it wasn't for Robert Moses, I probably wouldn't have run for Congress. Listen to 99% Invisible's breakdown of The Power Broker every month on the 99% Invisible podcast feed. So this clock isn't your average clock. And in fact, your average clock is kind of inspired by this clock because the original elephant clock was among the first self-propelled clocks ever invented, meaning that it didn't need any human interaction to keep running. It was powered by a water system that ran really inside of the elephant. And we wanted to know more about this clock. And we figured who better to talk to than Professor Salim Al-Hassani, 
Professor Emeritus from the University of Manchester, where I have been there for about 30 years of um, teaching, researching, and doing all sorts of things. Since I retired, I have developed much more interest in the history of science and technology. Professor Al-Hassani was part of the team that helped build the replica clock in Ibn Battuta Mall. And if you're going to talk to anybody about the Islamic Golden Age and its engineering contributions, this is the guy you want to talk to. Professor Al-Hassani explains that the Islamic Golden Age was this really significant period of innovation. And it stemmed from Islamic societies as far west as West Africa and as far east as China. The, the significance is that there was a huge... Uh, movement in scientific uh, endeavor, exploring knowledge, not only just theoretical, but also practical. So much of the science that we know today actually originated, or at least enhanced, from that period. You can think of the Islamic Golden Age as kind of like the Renaissance in Europe, except it was more international than that, and it started earlier, too. It began around 750 AD and ended around 1300, just around when the Renaissance was beginning. And that is in part because Renaissance thinkers actually took a lot of their inspiration from the Islamic Golden Age. Things like algebra, the study of optics, trying to build a flying machine, all originate in the Islamic Golden Age. Which brings us back to the elephant clock. One of the most astounding and just plain delightful inventions to come out of this time period. The elephant clock itself is beautiful. There is just a ton going on when you look at it. It's a massive elephant statue with a huge structure mounted on the elephant's back that someone can sort of sit inside of. And it's got animals and figurines emerging from that structure. Every animal featured as part of the clock, really every aspect of the clock, plays tribute to some of history's great civilizations. As you have Indian elephant, you have Egyptian phoenix, you have uh, Muslim Arabic uh, figurines in the way of, of robots, you have Chinese uh, dragons, and you have you know Persian carpet. He was giving a message to recognize the scientific or technological contributions of various civilizations. Professor Al-Hassani explains that the elephant clock was among the first automated clocks to track the passing of time. The original clock told time in precise half-hour intervals, and it ran on its own, no human intervention required. As you can imagine, the clock's internal workings were somewhat complicated, but Professor Al-Hassani explains it like this. The innovation is in the way that uh, the movements are connected with each other. It's like Effectively, it's like a computer, an analog computer, because one thing triggers another, one thing triggers another. The way the clock runs is a kind of chain reaction. Specifically, it uses a sinking bowl perforated uh, as a controlling device. This is an inflow clepsydra. If you're not an engineer, which I'm not, it, this might not make a ton of sense. But the best thing I can compare it to is a kind of circular Rube Goldberg machine using water, a leaky bowl, a series of balls... I'm pretty sure it's not a perpetual motion machine because that uh, breaks physics, but it definitely feels like one. It is just this absolutely ingenious loop. And the original elephant clock relied on an elaborate water system, but the replica inside the mall is a more modern interpretation. Using water is a huge problem nowadays because 
you know, it decays, you need to have a person looking after it, and so on, it'd be very costly. So what we did there was actually we trick the viewer, we actually operated electrically, but we show a film next to it with the 3D animations, which shows you how it origin originally how it worked using the hydropower. So the elephant clock has a lot of mechanical wizardry going on inside. But to the average person walking by, it still mostly looks just like a big fancy statue. So how does it mark the passage of time? There is a disc right at the top, and that that turns around, and it can tell actually how many holes there are. So that's one, one way. The other one is, it's the sound. Every half an hour, there is a particular sound. And there is also, every hour, there is a particular sound. So it tells you uh, the time sequence rather than the actual time. It doesn't tell you, like, for instance, three o'clock, right? Only when you have to guess how many holes have turned around on that top disc. To fully understand the elephant clock, you also need to understand its creator, Ishmael Al-Jazari. Among other things, Al-Jazari is known as the father of robotics. Although back then, they weren't called robots. Actually, he, what he did, he constructed automatons or automata. That means figurines that actually move uh, by themselves, right? They're all driven by hydraulic power. And so to the, to, the reviewer, to the viewer of these automatons, they were effectively self-moving machines. And hence, modern word, we call them robots. But, but in those days, there was no such name as a robot. Al-Jazari created machines that once fully created could run on their own. Some of them were even programmable, but instead of software, they used balls and water and levers to change their programming. One of Al-Jazari's clocks is thought to be the earliest example of a programmable analog computer, which is profound. But Professor Al-Hassani's favorite Al-Jazari invention is a little less flashy and a little more technical. For me, as a mechanical engineer, I think that his major contribution was what we call the double-acting suction pump with valves and reciprocating piston motion. That's right. We're talking about the double-acting suction pump with valves and the reciprocating piston motion. It may not sound exciting, but it was a huge innovation. Both the suction pump and piston motion technologies are still used in tons and tons of things today. Al-Jazari's suction pump technology was used in the 90s to dredge thousands of tons of mud from the sea and make way for the Hong Kong airport. And the reciprocating piston motion is vital to almost all engines, including the ones in your combustion car. Though none of the original instruments and devices that Al-Jazari made still exist, the reason we know he came up with all of this incredible stuff is thanks to a book he wrote in the early 13th century. It's called the Book of Knowledge of Ingenious Mechanical Devices, which is just about the coolest book title ever written and in its day was probably pretty popular. It's about 500-odd pages. And he included sort of uh, 50 major uh, machines and clocks and, 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 and structures. The book is also where we see the designs and blueprints for the elephant clock. It's not clear why Al-Jazari made the clock, but we do have a clue about who supported his efforts. We know that all the work that he had actually made and constructed was under the instruction 
of the then emir, the sultan, is an Artuk uh, dynasty by the name of Nasiruddin. He was sort of a patron of Al Jazari, who effectively um, paid him and so on. Al Jazari's work was revolutionary, and it would later inspire a certain Italian inventor by the name of Leonardo da Vinci. Al Jazari may not be as well-known today as some of his Western counterparts. But he, along with countless other inventors from the Golden Age of Islam, created much of the math, science, physics, and philosophy that we have built our modern world around. And one place to pay tribute is at the foot of a life-size, time-tracking elephant in the Ibn Battuta Mall Courtyard in Dubai. If you want to go see that elephant clock, the hours of the mall are 10 a.m. to 10 p.m., and you'll find it right across from the Aldo. This episode was produced by Baudelaire Seuss. Our podcast is a co-production of Atlas Obscura and Witness Docs. The production team includes Doug Baldinger, Chris Naka, Camille Stanley, Willis Ryder Arnold, Sarah Wyman, Manolo Morales, Amanda McGowan, Johanna Mayer, Gianna Palmer, Tracy Samuelson, John Delore, Peter Clowney. Our technical director is Casey Holford. And this episode was mixed by Luce Fleming. And our theme and end credit music is by Sam Tyndall. I'm Dylan Thuris, wishing you all the wonder in the world. I will see you next time. Witness Docs from Stitcher.